Hello, everyone. Welcome to the NeuroDive pod. Uh, I'm your host, Sam Harris. Most of you that listen probably are aware of NeuroDive and the work that I do. Um, but I'm kind of here to sort of relaunch the podcast a little bit. It's been relaunched a few times, as those of you that have listened to previous episodes will be aware of. I have my own um neurodivergence uh, in, in the realm of ADHD all but confirmed but that's a, another story for a past episode so the podcast has been in fits and starts but there's been some big news of late for me personally I am going to be running Neurodive full-time having previously kind of been doing it on the side whilst doing you know supporting families uh, and children young people uh, one-to-one for another organization i am now going to be doing everything through neurodive which is a bit scary to be honest but it has got some advantages one of them being i'm going to have more time to put into the podcast so i've been really sort of thinking about what i want to do with the podcast um because obviously you know i I do deliver webinars i put lots of posts on facebook things like that to try and uh, help families of neurodivergent children, young people, particularly parents, but also professionals supporting them. Uh, and equally, you know, when I get the opportunity to work one-to-one with a neurodivergent child or young person, to do that as well. Um, but I think with the podcast, what I'd like to do is use it as an opportunity to talk to people, to which I am doing through the consultations. I've realised that doesn't sound doesn't make a lot of sense but uh, what I mean is to interview people people uh, whose work I I admire that I know of Um, I also I think I'm going to try and get some parents that I've worked with a long time and know quite well to come on here Uh, I'm also open to guests so you can email me at neurodivetraining at gmail.com if you have a story to tell or something you think would be of interest to the listeners please don't be offended If I don't always take everybody up on it, uh, it, there'll be a limited amount of time I can do it. I'm going to try and stick to at least once a month, hopefully a bit more regularly. And also, you know, I want to make sure that the the content is of interest to as many people as possible. So please do get in touch, but please don't get take offence if I can't get around to having you as a guest right away. Uh, or it doesn't just just doesn't make sense for the show. But I'm really keen to hear from people, uh, questions, comments about episodes, things that you'd like me to talk about more, things that you'd like me to talk about less, of which I'm sure there'll be many. But for the moment, for this episode, what can we talk about? Well, I guess I can just get you up to speed with with everything I've been doing, really, and also some exciting future projects and guests on the way. Um, I think, you know, for me, one of the things that I'm starting to clarify in my head a lot more in terms of what I think helps parents of neurodivergent children, young people and families, and therefore the neurodivergent children and young people themselves, the most is actually a lot of unwinding or unpicking of some of the damaging concepts and ideas that have been out there in the past. One of them would be conditional approaches or punitive approaches. 
and even rewards, which are to quote a future guest, which I'm going to make an awesome announcement about in a minute. <laughs> rewards and punishments are different sides of the same coin. They are dependent on the person getting it right to get rewarded. Um, they are based on a lot of behavioralist research, which is actually not as strong as lots of people would have you believe. And I think, you know, over the last decade or so, I've seen some real damage that is done by some of these traditional approaches that, that do seem to be the, the commonplace approach um, in most of our systems for supporting children and young people in general, particularly schools, mainstream schools. So take, for example, you know, I, I talk about a particularly young person a lot um, that I met probably my first day of ever supporting uh, neurodivergent children and young people, a chap called Connor, who had ADHD and was autistic as well. And it, I think it was looking back, it was my sort of connection and empathy for Connor that I guess potentially was a, a bit of a, a sign of my own neurotype, perhaps. Um, but Connor, when I, when I first started working to him, working with him, was about seven, and in a very sort of typical ADHD way, very impulsive, would do things without thinking, but would be quite remorseful and sorry and apologetic and, and keen to try and get it right. Now, I always worked with him in quite a non-punitive way. It, it just didn't seem like, the, very quickly, it didn't seem like the right thing for him anyway. And a lot of the things that he was doing, I, again, looking back, could kind of imagine myself doing exactly the same. So, you know, it was uh, it was difficult for me to even get alongside that punitive approach, that conditional approach. But unfortunately, I, having worked with Connor for a long time, I, I did see the effects of those approaches that were being used in the schools he was in. Um, I didn't meet his parents often, but, you know, I think they had quite a firm approach with him. I don't know exactly what that meant for them in the home, because, again, didn't didn't work with directly with that family. And I have to say, working with parents and families, it's not, it's never about blame or judgment for me. You know, there are so many reasons why we might do something or approach something a certain way. And if you as a parent have used those punitive reward-based strategies, it, you probably were told to by someone along, along the way, or you were told this was the way to do it, or you must give them firmer boundaries. And we'll come back to boundaries. Um, but I saw the effect on him. He he sort of switched into a more, what you might think of as an, an oppositional defiance disorder profile. So he needed to be shown the reason for doing something or had to have that incentive or that consequence to, to even stop him doing it in the first place. But again, that didn't really work because you you can't you can't adjust your behavior dependent on a consequence unless you have that ability to override your impulse so that impulsive behavior is then punished without you having a chance to get it right because we know that with the adhd brain there is a part of the brain that is responsible for inhibition control or your mind's break if you like which is a, a russell barkley sort of idea um, on executive functioning you've done the thing before you thought about it so 
for a consequence or punishment to work or even a reward, you have to stop at the moment of behavior, assess it, and then think about what's going to happen when you do it and then still be motivated either way. So that kind of approach, I think, did a lot of damage to Connor, who eventually then started to fit a more conduct disorder profile. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm the bad one. So what? Don't care. I can't ever get it right anyway. And you, when you think about it, it's probably quite a common self-esteem protection strategy. If you're always going to tell me I'm the bad guy, then I'll just be it. And, you know, again, I can relate to that myself in school. Um, I ended up being the class clown. So after that, oh, yeah, OK, I'm the class clown. I'll do that. Uh, and it worked in lots of ways for me socially, uh, as well as actually kind of getting me out of the environment I was struggling to learn in. And for me, fortunately, uh, I was able to to learn better when I was either expelled or in the corridor that was called Sam's Corridor at secondary school. So that worked for me. It didn't work for Connor. And, you know, I, I do keep in contact with him vaguely on social media or hear from him from time to time. And, you know, he's, he's done really well to turn his life around recently. Uh, but, you know, he did, I think, at some point end up uh, in prison for a short amount of time. And I would definitely argue that a large part of what went wrong for him was not being supported in a way that he could find his strengths and work towards his strengths rather than being continually punished for the things he couldn't do or struggled to do. Now, when we come on to autistic children and young people, which interestingly for me, with my own connections around ADHD and my early experiences with Connor, the bulk of my work over the last decade or more has been with families of autistic children. And, you know, more and more now we are hearing about, we are seeing the effects of masking. So masking is when an autistic child or autistic person mimics or copies or behaves in a way that matches the people around them, but not from a positive place um kieran rose writes about this really well he's been on the podcast so do check out that episode to sort of dig into more detail around masking but it's coming from a place of fear what happens if i get it wrong social rejection bullying punishment you know it, sometimes that masking is brought about by peers and and their attitudes towards difference but i would argue that a lot of the time in school all of the things that are being, all the messages that are being sent to lots of our autistic children and young people is, is, is do what everyone else does. Be like everyone else. You know, don't stand out. Don't be different. Don't do that behavior because it's not allowed or appropriate, whatever that means. And if you hide behavior that is really important to your emotional regulation and well-being, there is a cost. And again, you know, I, I would say in the last two to three years, a huge percentage of the families I work with have young people that are not at school or are in the process of showing lots of distress around going to school. Some that are in burnout that haven't left their rooms for a year or so, you know, and I, I do honestly think that a lot of this is down to our over-reliance on conditional approaches and punitive measures and reward. Because again, Effectively, a reward that is set up to reward something 
that is perhaps unattainable or difficult, you're kind of setting that person up to fail. So losing that reward becomes a punishment. So you can say all you like, oh, we don't use punishments, just rewards. Well, what happens when they don't do the right thing? Well, they don't get the reward. So that's a punishment. But equally, even if we're rewarding something, you know, say if, I don't know, for me, movement exercise is so important to how I feel, how I deal with the world, my concentration levels. You know, I, I, I get up every morning and exercise because if I didn't, I don't know what I'd get done during the day sometimes. If someone said, oh, we're going to reward you for getting into work early and not doing that exercise, you know, we're going to, you're going to, we're going to pay you a bit more, but you've got to be here at five o'clock. I mean, I do sometimes get up at four to be fair, but you know what I mean? It, it would be at the expense of my well-being, and there would be a cost. So the reward might be motivating to me. I've got a family to support, extra income, or for a child or young person, something they really want or want to attain, or a trip or an item they really want. So they are motivated by it, but they're being motivated to push down or hide or um, override the behaviours, the things they do that make them feel better. And ultimately, is it too much to ask that we prioritise our children and young people's health and happiness above education above qualification i don't think it is but you know i might be in the minority in certain circles um particularly professional ones although not always and sometimes i'm also inspired led by people whose ideas i've read and, and built on and, and taken from and, and shared and one of those people is going to be a guest on the podcast alfie coin Con, it's K-O-H-N. And the first question I'm going to have to ask him is how you pronounce his second name. I think I've already upset him by emailing him and uh, just calling him Alfie off the bat. And he keeps calling me Mr. Harris. And he, point out, he pointed out at one point, he should probably call me Mr. Harris because we haven't met, which I think was a subtle way of saying you should probably call me Mr. K-O-H-N. Con, Con, Alfie Con. Um, Perhaps I'll I'll watch an interview first to get his name right because that'll be more professional, won't it? Yeah, I'm, 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 like I say, I'm not professional at this podcasting game, which is a good job because it's free, so you don't make a lot of money off it, um, none at all. In fact, <laughs> which I have had to make clear to Mister Con Alfie. Um, but yeah, Alfie, Mister Con wrote. Uh, unconditional parenting a book that i'm obsessed with at the moment it connects with so many of the things that i've been trying to do trying to teach trying the ways i work with families children and young people uh away from punitive reward-based measures it's about a connected parenting style which i'm often supporting parents to i guess refine their intuition and their connection a lot of the time it's not that they're not connected it's just that again outside influences society's judgments have kind of pushed them away from their intuition you know and a case in point an example that you know i talk about a lot that i experience a lot is parents where they're asking me should i still be sending my child to school and they're explaining the levels of distress i would argue that if it wasn't for the ewoks or whatever they're called the educational welfare officers 
Uh, I like to call them Ewoks because it makes them just look a little bit less intimidating. So, sort of cute and fluffy, but equally a bit annoying. And they've got jabby sticks. But, you know, if you're in one of them Death Star Destroyer things, you'll be all right. Uh, <laughs> where am I going with that? Um, yeah, so if it wasn't for the pressure of the systems uh, that parents are confronted with, I don't think a lot of these parents would need help. I think most of us with our child are connected in a way that no one else is and we know when they're distressed and we know what level of distress is acceptable and what isn't but unfortunately the way the world works doesn't put parents at the forefront of that decision so that's a, a huge huge factor for me um, and I talked a lot recently I've done webinars on intuitive parenting getting back to intuitive parenting uh, I've got a live event in Exeter. If anyone's in the Exeter area, there's still tickets available on the 21st for myself and Tigger Pritchard called the Low Demand Approach, which I think is something I'm going to be working on a lot this year, sort of honing what that is and presenting it in different ways. Very similar to Mr. Com's work. So I cannot recommend the book enough. As a parent, it actually helped me reevaluate my parenting style and realise that the way that I support neurodivergent children and young people is applicable to all children. Uh, it isn't going to cause harm. And all the research that suggests otherwise is, is actually bollocks. It's, it's based, sorry, sweary, sweary moment. Uh, I can't really bleep it or edit it because I haven't got the time. So you might have to get used to those. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's predicated on a bit of a myth. You know, there is research that suggests certain things towards behavioralism, punishment, consequence. But equally, there's a huge amount of research kicking back the other way and showing the damage. And one of the things that's brilliant about the Unconditional Parenting book is it cites a lot of that research, as does his other great book, Punished by Rewards, and helps, helps you understand that it's not just the principles it's the it's the it's the basis it's the background it's the research behind it as well which i find really useful because a lot of the time you put forward these principles of low demand of connected parenting and they're seen as soft they're seen as the soft option the easy option well they're actually not they're way harder you know the, the, that's another myth i love it when i hear of a, a parent who's been told by a professional well you just need firmer boundaries as if they haven't thought of that. I mean, it's basically parenting 101. If you do that again, I'll take it away. No, no, that's not okay. Now you've lost out this. Unfortunately, it is our sort of cultural go-to for a lot of us. It's not rocket science and it doesn't work for lots of people. In fact, for lots of people, it does a huge amount of damage. So the other stuff, the connected parenting, the, the low demand approaches, the unconditional approaches, they're actually harder. They're harder to get right, harder to do, particularly when things are difficult, when you're stressed or when you're busy. So all this, you know, nonsense about parents being too soft is, is complete nonsense, as I said. And actually, these approaches, I think, are far more complex and difficult to get right, which is why it's so important that we're talking about them more, identifying what they are. And that those books by... Um, Alfie Kong are fantastic for that so I do recommend them even before he comes on the podcast and I would recommend I think I have recommended them he only said yes today so I've definitely recommended them before today so yeah he's going to be a future guest I'm sure I'll get 
as many of the the crew, if you like, <laughs> colleagues from uh, Harry Thompson, Tigger Pritchard. I might try and get Tigger on before we do the live event. Uh, so we might get a few episodes on the go nice and quickly. But is it just a short one for me to give you a, a sort of flavour of what's coming up on the podcast? Um, again, really appreciate the feedback, the comments, just lets me know that it's still worth doing. And of course, the listens, the numbers and the shares. So like, share, tell people about it and I can hopefully do it more. And maybe one day someone will pay me for advertising so then I can make a bit of money and still do it for free for you lot. So you know, there, there's, a, there's a deal for us all. Everybody's happy. Um, apart from the advertisers when they hear my waffle advertising their product. I won't do, even saying that sounds a bit seedy. I'd only advertise things that I thought would be helpful, by the way, if I did that. But I mean, at the moment, it's just, I think it's about three people and my mum listens, so it's probably not something. We're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Yeah, I think we'll leave it there. Nice short one, just to get people tantalised and interested and look out for a really, really big guest coming up soon not that the other guests haven't been big some of them have been huge uh so that's so, you know no disrespect to any of them but i'm really really excited about this one he's he's gonna give me half an hour which for me I and mean, i've just done half an hour nearly on my own so i'm gonna actually prepare for this one with some direct questions that i definitely want to talk about uh and probably will try and keep him on for more than half an hour if i'm honest although again i might have already upset him by not using mister so yeah we'll see how that goes but do tune in and uh if you are like i say if you're in the extra area and you want to come to a fantastic live event with a fantastic guest speaker tigger pritchard uh, the details are either on neurodive eventbrite page or on the facebook page there will be a website soon that's one of my plans for 2022 no 2023 probably left it a bit late so i'm having you for 2022 we'll see also i am available for online support and well and one-to-one support if you're in exeter again but you know lots of my work has been online over the last couple of years it can be really effective for lots of people so if you are listening from australia or somewhere else i won't do the accents um, i can't do many uh, i can do nelson mandela a little bit but it's probably not appropriate or relevant but I might just do it anyway. No, it's not even that good. Um, so yeah, if you would, and, and also I don't, I'm quite a good listener. The, the podcast and the waffle probably doesn't represent that, but you know, I'm a, I'm a trained listener. That's what I do. Uh, and I listen really well when I'm interested. So, and I'm always interested in trying to help you. So yeah. So if you're, if you're interested uh, a lot of interest right there if you're interested in accessing one-to-one support then again drop me a line neurodivetraining at gmail.com or if you've just got questions ideas about the podcast or anything that neurodive does feel free to get in touch thank you very much for listening